0: Chase, it was really difficult, man, to record an episode. Whenever that was, we recorded that, and whoever's listening, when I don't know, I had to set up all
1: that that stuff by myself. Yeah, really, to see you (laughs) see you over there, not
0: not with the mic.
2: That, uh, that intro really reminded me of a, a game I used to play in high school, but we won't go there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know if you played that game, Chris. I, I don't know. There are lots of games. <laughs> lots a glass of in, case of confusion. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Somebody's throwing rocks. What's going on? Now? Listen, all I'll say is thank goodness Birthday Boy is gone. <laughs> birthday Boy. Oh yeah, it was Kale's birthday last time. Was was it or just in which reality? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the original, I'm really yeah.
0: confused now because, <laughs> because we're posting things out of order, and this will come out before the last who one. Who knows? Uh, who knows? But yeah, Caleb, Should I, I cut that? <laughs> <laughs> did we, did we yeah, just break fine. the third wall? No, I think yeah. we broke no, like the fourth the wall. Th- <laughs> I don't know. There are all sorts of walls. How many walls are yeah. there it's not a house in, in total? Caleb's getting better, man. Dude, he did a good job. Yeah. yeah, I bet he does get better. <laughs> <laughs> I bet in the next episode he kills it Yeah, he gets even better the next episode pay, pay attention yeah, in two weeks, the, guys The deal he's talking about there So, Caleb, you know, we're rooting for
3: him Yeah, want to have him back someday
0: Yeah, maybe so Hey,
3: welcome back, Ben Thank you, thank you
0: I, I spent some time, uh, you know, doing things <laughs> so I couldn't be here to do to do this thing. So it gets really complicated. But uh, oh yeah, the
2: the thing. There was that, the deal the, that yeah.
0: came that came and then the thing happened. And but here I am, here I am talking about stuff and fitness things. I learned.
2: I, hey, I learned a good trick from Ben today. What was that? If you're going to be late, tell somebody you're going to be 15 minutes late. Yes. Mm. Then when you show up five minutes late. They're really they, impressed. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. impressed. They're like, oh, you made it early,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah but you're really late. Exactly. Yeah. Psycho- exactly. Psychological yeah. warfare right there. You use the text message. It's like, you know, thank goodness for a text message you can send. Because, you know, back in the days when I was a younger man, uh, <laughs> you, there was no, you couldn't send You were just late, period. You know, like, hey, man, I thought you forgot, you know. So you send a text ahead. Let's just roll this out as a strategy. You know you're going to be a little bit late. There's a chance you could be a lot late. So you send a message. The first message you send is a lot of information about the variations of why you could be late. (laughs) And then you leave it open-ended, okay? And then people are like, oh, my gosh. Then you follow that up roughly seven to eight minutes later by saying you're going to be 15 minutes late if you know you're going to be five minutes late, 30 minutes late if you know you're going to be 10 minutes late. So there's a whole equation there. You know how the teachers used to have that little slider, the way they could grade you? It's a a whole thing I'm going to release later, but... Yeah, it basically helps people be impressed that you're not as late as you said you Is were Is this going to be in your book? Yeah. I feel like this should have been for recommends. Yeah, right. I'm going to recommend my new product about mm-hmm. uh, how, how to be late but still be early by Ben Derek. <laughs> how to be the worst guy at the
3: meeting by Ben Derek.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So we're back to talk about fitness things, which, uh, you know, I really do enjoy fitness. You wouldn't know by looking at me, but I do enjoy fitness. Hey, hey. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to talk about something that has caused a tremendous amount of controversy. In fact, we dedicated a portion of an episode to it already, but now we've got some water under the bridge. We'll see how this is playing out. Huge shakeups inside the uh, CrossFit community, especially for the elite athletes, which oddly enough, the elite athletes seem the least bothered by it. (laughs) It was like the guy that's coming to the box three days a week, you know, it's like, what are they doing with the games? Yeah. 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 (laughs) Uh, But uh, so we're going to talk about how it's played out, how we feel about the decisions they've made, maybe a little bit about how things have gone so far with particular athletes, but really just the overall strategy change. And if we uh, can determine looking back, did they make some wise decisions there? Just
1: like always with CrossFit, you got to take uh, you got to take the good with the bad. You know, there was a lot of things in the very beginning. I think everybody was so gut punched by the original announcement that you know they they got rid of their games media team, and for a little while there, there was just so much there was so much uncertainty. We weren't even sure if there was going to be a CrossFit Games or what it was even going to look like, and. Uh, but uh, I, you know, to to give them uh, to give them credit, the people that were that were still that were still on board did a just as good a job as any year I thought, yeah. as far as putting on a, putting on a great product, uh, not only for the uh, for the athletes for the most part, but re- for the spectators. I thought it was a really really good year.
2: Yeah, I thought so too. You know, when they made the changes, I think the biggest thing was just the lack of communication. <laughs> Nobody knew what was going on. Nobody knew what it was going to look like. Now, after a year, you know, I have to say, uh, for the most part, it's been positive. Uh, I wanted to kind of hold off and see how the games went before making any calls. But, you know, the, the broadcast was great. Everybody, you know, you were able to switch between different broadcasts. Everybody had the same view, but you could listen to different people talk about it. And if you didn't like one person... Commentator, you could go listen to a different commentator. Or you could go listen to a Spanish commentator and work on your Spanish. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's You're
2: fun. Keep on rolling. That's right. So uh, no, I th- and I thought it went well. Uh, the games uh, were entertaining. Um, that you know, we can talk about the cuts and all that. That and uh, but I thought I thought overall the season went well, and I think it's setting. They're setting themselves up to make a very sustainable. Um, long-term professional sport and giving athletes the opportunity to professionalize themselves. I, I don't know. I, this is just a hunch, but I feel like the top athletes are getting more, more exposure now than they used to because they're out there more often. They're at different sanctionals. They're, they're able to, you know, this, I think this was the first year they were able able to wear their own shoes and not have to wear the Reebok shoes. And Noble picked up a bunch of people. A lot of people are switching to Noble and it seems like they're, Amount of Instagram followers are going up. I just think that um, the athletes are able to professionalize themselves more um, now with this format than they were when they were forced into that bubble of open regionals games.
0: It takes. It's taken a while, and I think we we have to bring this into the conversation. The beginnings of CrossFit in the off some beaten path storage facility with a box fan outside. I mean, it just takes a while for a sport to develop that starts that way into something like this and it's going to be a little bit rocky you know and there it it, a lot of it as we've said before did come down to uh communication strategy you know like you called it Chris the gut punch but things seem to be settling out and adaptability is part of the sport and you know it is what it is I think in a lot of ways and then you, you have the other slice of it you know from my experience as a guy that just goes to work out when I turned on that first open workout, I was like, oh, my gosh. It's like yeah. they put me up there to do commentary in London somewhere. Yeah. Like, this is going to be really The open announcements
2: bad. need some work. Hopefully, they'll, keep, they'll follow the same format they had for the games where maybe they shoot the video and then let people commentate for it at the open announcements. They definitely need some work on that because that was that was a very disappointing. It, it. And I think they saw the numbers sign, that signed up for the open were way down, and I think people just – didn't see a whole lot of value to the competition anymore, um, especially seeing the amount of effort they were put into it. So I would imagine that they're going to put more into
0: the Open this year. Well, but what happened, at least at our affiliate, is we moved in and did some things that it just caused us to uh, take some more ownership of that, which led to some pretty cool things in, inside of our gym. So
2: yeah, we had the, uh, the uh, intramural open at all three of our gyms, and that was a ton of fun. know all three gyms now have a a banner hanging with the winning team and we'll do it again um, for this next open and one thing they've announced that I'm pretty excited about is they're going to have an affiliate leaderboard for the open this year Um, so you 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 can kind of represent your gym and help them and there's a leaderboard where you can see how your gym stacks up compared to other gyms in the world or in the state or in the country and you can filter based off like top male and top female or top 10 scores or there's a whole bunch of different filters and so i think that the, the fittest affiliates in each country and maybe each state are going to get a prize and so it's kind of bringing that you know the team thing back when they took away the 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 team competition from re- requirements where you had to be an affiliate and i think it brings that inner gym competition back and it makes me excited about doing the open again whereas the last one it was kind of like you know really what's the point if you're just doing this just to do it and the only reason you would do it is if you're going to win your
0: country or if you're going to in the masters or teen category. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you're a gym like ours with a, uh, in the programming an open workout could show up really at any time, you know? So once, once you are some variation thereof. So an interesting thing for me uh, to discuss is w- when the affiliate comes in and starts taking ownership of this sort of thing. I mean, th- the games and all that just, it just means different things to different people, you know? So, but it does seem like the the folks that are at the top of the CrossFit world, they're just keeping all rolling, man. I mean, throw, throw whatever you throw me with the competition, that's fine. I'm fit and I'll handle it. You know? The fittest, like Matt Frazier, Tia, they don't care.
2: They're going to be there. Um, it's the, you know, it's the borderline qualifiers for the games. And I'm probably there's some people competing at the games who weren't as fit as some people who weren't competing in the games. Actually, I know that for a fact. And probably some of the – you know, it, a lot of it depend on which sanctional you went to or which country you're from. and um, But the top of the top, they're always going to be there. And so they don't really care uh, what the structure is because they're going to win no matter
0: what. It's just going to affect, you know, the, that middle tier of games athlete. So I've got a question for both of you. I, I, I watched this a little bit to try to figure out what's going on. It intrigues me some. But do you think in this new system we're going to have well, – let's just take two big names like Mayhem and, and Invictus. Are you going to have these affiliates where people just – leave wherever they are in the world and they all just consolidate because these affiliates are, are winning in the new system more than the old system or is it about who's there? I mean I just see you roll it, you see mayhem, and you're like, oh my gosh, that, that person's there, that person's there, that person's there. Is it is this a I I gotta be around fronting thing or is this, hey, these guys have this training figured out. It just seems like the affiliate has become much more important now than it has been before. Well, I mean, you, you
1: know, you had uh you had a uh, Matt and Tia move to uh, move to Cookville, but I mean, they they were Matt and Tia before they <laughs> before they moved there. And uh, wait, I, I, let me think. You're yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. They were. And um, <laughs> I don't know. I think uh, I think to me, it's it really it comes down to getting around uh, getting around really smart coaches who have uh, who have been in it for a while that can. Uh, that have that unique ability to be able to uh, to adapt and um, and strategize because now it doesn't it, now it doesn't come down to you know you need to peak at the open or you need to peak at regionals you need to really strategize you know okay which um, uh, which sanctional am I going to go to that's going to give me the best shot to go uh, to get to the games and what we saw with the with the way it was structured this year with the with their backflow system is. You, every time you go out on the floor, the athletes are going to have to push, and they have got to they have got to uh, get the best place they possibly can. It's like even if you go to a uh, to a sanctional and you're you, you get to the you get to the last two events, and you're you're not go, you're not going to win, you're not going to get first place, but you could still get third place and have a really such a really good shot of making it to the games, depending on if that person that wins, that beats you, if they end up being the national champion or if they finish top uh, top 20 in the open. Um, that's what makes it really exciting to me. And uh, what, I, what I'm really looking forward to seeing how a lot of the coaches that I follow, how they adjust uh, and, how they, and how they react and knowing that it's so much more broad and there's so many more
2: opportunities to actually make it. Uh, ben, to answer your question, yes, they've already been doing that. Uh, a lot of people moved to Mayhem. Uh, the first-place team, first-place male, first-place t- female. I agree with you that Tia and Matt were Tia and Matt already, but they, like, are dominant now. Mm. It just seems like they bring out the best of each other. Haley Adams, I can't. she was, like, fifth or sixth. She trains with them every day. Their team won. Um, they have – man, they got a lot of people working out there. And then Invictus, there's a ton of people that moved to Invictus and trained at in Invictus all year. And then there's a ton of people that moved to Atlanta and train at Training Think Tank together. I think – especially as these athletes get more exposure and are able to professionalize themselves, they're all just going to start, you know, coming together and, and living and training together all in one area and, and pushing themselves. And, you know, I think getting yourself in that environment where you're going to give that extra 1% every single day mm. because you're next to somebody who's a little bit fitter than you, yeah. you do that over a year's period of time, that's that that comes out to a huge difference in, in overall gain and fitness. And so I think... Yeah, you're gonna just gonna start seeing them congregate all um, at these places, and then um, you'll start seeing some other ones pop up as you know certain ones get set. Sa- I mean, there's only so many people that can work out at Mayhem, you know. <laughs> right. I, I mean, at this point, it's like you got. to... I'm sure you probably have to like be the cream of the crop to work out with those guys. And so then you know people that can't get there, they're gonna try to go somewhere else. And Jacob Hepner has people that he works out with all the time. And then if you follow these people on social media, or a lot of them do YouTube videos and stuff. I mean, they're working out with games-level athletes all the time. Like, I was watching a video of Jacob Heppner yesterday. He just did a Wadapalooza qualifier with a guy he competed with in Australia and another, another like, sanctional level guy. Like, they're just finding people and training with them constantly. And so they're professional athletes at this point. You know, professional NFL players, you know, a lot of them, they go train together in the off offseason. You, know, so, you know, same thing.
0: Yeah. So I don't know if I understand this correctly, though. It, they're Technically, in the new system, there is no offseason. No. A, <laughs> it's a year-round thing. The, you have to figure out when your off-season is going to be personally
2: because, I mean, the Open starts. The uh, Open registration just opened yeah, today. Yeah, <laughs> and so the games ended. Uh, it, the games were first week of August. Open starts first week of October, so that's two months. So say you made it to the Games and um, you want to qualify through the Open. Well, you got you don't have a whole lot of downtime. Now, After if you qualify through the Open, now you have a huge off-season because you got – from November all the way till August to be able to train, but if you want to make money, you gotta go do these sanctionals, and there's sanctionals, you know, there's 28 of them this year. They start in, I think, November, and I I know there's a point, um, I think in March, where after that weekend, there's like a sanctional every weekend for like four months straight, and so it's just gonna be boom, 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 sanctional, sanctional, sanctional. Um, And so, there's no off-season for the sport, but you better have an off-season for yourself. Like Chris was talking about, you better be tapering down, hitting a competition, then dropping back down, having an off-season, or else you're not going to be in the sport very long. You might be able to give one or two good years, and then yeah. you're going to be done.
0: Yeah, absolutely, with the way these uh, men and women have to push themselves. So one thing I'm interested in seeing is how much is money going to affect all this? Like you said, like they're turning into pro athletes, and – We've, been, we've existed for a while on this level of sponsorships. And like, oh, yeah, Nobles picked up some people. We got some rogue people. I mean, that's been around. But are you going to have guys that move in? Like, you've got these owners of NFL teams. Are you going to have guys that move in and say, all right, I'm going to fund this mini Olympic village and get all these athletes here, and we're going to dominate, and I've got – the millions and millions of dollars required to make that happen yeah rich froning's got his own olympic village over there (laughs) yeah i mean he's got his own barn where they all train you know which looks awesome by the way it does
2: well i remember uh uh, max
1: l hogg the uh training think tank coach he talked about that it was probably a year and a half or two years ago he talked about it on one of his podcasts of him wanting to own and operate a place like that where he has um You know, basically like little mini, uh, mini apartments, mini condos where these uh, these athletes can come in if their families are, uh, if they've got families, they can bring the families with them and they can live in this, they can live and train in this facility, you know, if they are, you know, being compensated by their sponsors enough to
2: be able to do that. Yeah, I think it's getting to the point now where people are going to be able to make enough money to do that. Now, uh, they just released the sponsorship uh, or the war uh, money prize money for next year games and it it's not going up at all they said it's the first time um in the history of the crossfit games that the prize purse has not gone up so it's not going up next year well, now what is going th- up
1: there is a little uncertainty with that though because uh,
2: right now Reebok this, this is Reebok's out right this will be their last year oh, okay yeah so um after after next year uh it'll be different but yeah this is Reebok's last year coming up but um now, what is going up is the prize money for the other competitions. I was listening to a podcast, uh, the guy who owns Live and Loud, which puts on Wadapalooza, they just bought Granite Games. Um, they're putting on the San Diego competition. They're putting on one in Spain. He was talking about the Spain competition, and they want to make it a really big team competition and offer a whole lot of prize money and try to attack people, uh, attract people like Matt and Tia to do a team, not to get a qualifying spot, but to win money. And so you're going to start seeing these like, that's a big company that's coming in and trying to put on a huge production, get a lot of people competing, and try to give a whole lot of prize money. And so, I mean, there's more money going into the sport than ever, and I think it's going to continue to go this way. And I think that's what we're seeing is these changes is allowing, are allowing you know, other companies like Noble to come in and really sponsor athletes and put a whole lot of money into them, allowing them to then go live at a compound for six months and train with other people um, and then, you know, obviously have an off season too. Like, you know, I think Katrin's been doing that for a while. She goes to Boston for a while and trains, then goes back home. And I'm sure other people do that too, but I think you'll see more and more people do that. And then there'll be these different pockets around the world where people get together and train together for three, four months or
0: whatever. So how do the game stack up? I'm just trying to put all this together, thinking about other sports and how those sports operate. Uh, it, it, will the games, in your guys' opinion, will, will it continue to be like, yeah, there are lots of competitions, but this is the one,
2: you know? I think it depends on, on what direction they take it mm-hmm. after Reebok. Yeah. Honestly, you know, it seems like the CEO of CrossFit just stepped down, uh, so Greg Glassman is stepping back into the CEO role, um, which he hadn't been since 2016. And so um, he's try- it seems like he's trying to make the company smaller. I think he should <sighs> – He should just sell the games in my opinion it's not what he wants to do it's a big money maker but I know they make a ton of money off the open so that's probably why they're keeping it but why not sell it let somebody else who really has a passion for it grow it and let it get bigger but if he keeps if they keep you know making cuts and dropping things down eventually there's going to be a competition coming up that's offering $500,000 to the winner and that's a week after the games and then it's like Matt Fraser's going to be like, I'm going to go win that one instead. Yeah. And then yeah. so as soon as Matt Fraser doesn't go to the CrossFit Games, all of a sudden it loses its luster. Yeah. And so I think if they don't make some changes with the tra- trajectory it's going, something else is going to come up and, and take its place. But, um, you know, that's
0: just it's, it's the leadership. It's what decision they decide to steer the ship. Yeah, free market, right? So another big question I have is where does Castro fall in all this? I mean, like, what's his role now? I'm I'm super confused. Well, about he, that. He's
1: still he's still the the uh, the director of the games. You know he still his role his role this year didn't change as far as I know. But I mean you did he went he went radio silent for a long yeah. time mm-hmm. after yeah. uh, after all those cuts and everything went down. But uh, you could definitely see with the programming there was still a lot of uh, a lot of Castro's fingerprints on uh, on a lot of it, and um, it was uh I mean I think I think he needs he needs to stay involved and I but I could also just see Castro as the kind of guy to just go off yeah. right off into the sunset and go do his own thing somewhere else and you never hear from him again. <laughs> yeah.
2: He's yeah he I mean he did all the programming for the games in the open this year and he's he's been on his Instagram posting a recap of every workout and kind of his thought process for putting those workouts together. I just get the sense that there's a rift between him and Glassman you know that's just me though that's just kind of me reading between the lines I wouldn't be surprised if you know if I was Nike or something I would go to Castro and offer him a whole lot of money and say let's start another fitness competition and let you run it and and see what happens yeah with that
0: sort of budget oh my gosh what could that guy do
2: yeah and you know you get get a name like that all of a sudden you're taking taking a big chunk out of it but I think there's a couple of different ways it could go. I think I don't th- I don't see it going this way for much longer. So I think either uh, CrossFit sells the CrossFit Games um, and Castro stays on and runs it, and whoever owns it you know keeps continues to put it on. CrossFit continues to downsize the CrossFit Games, um, and then Castro just stays on because you know he's he's happy not being in the spotlight. Which I've kind of got the feeling that he's kind of tired of it. I don't know. Um, just from some of the stuff I've seen he, him say, or he he just gets fed up and he's had enough and he leaves and does a, and starts something new. Yeah. And so I think those are the three different ways it could go. And uh, only time will – I mean, I think Chris is right. I think as soon as Reebok is out um, is when we'll Every, really see. Everybody's going to be on the edge of their seat yeah. waiting to see what happens. I know they're not bringing on another title sponsor. They already announced that. So I don't know what they're going to do, where they're going to get the prize money from, all that type of stuff. But, um, yeah, we'll see. What's the backstory there of dropping Reebok, or did Reebok drop them? No, um,
1: the uh, CrossFit actually, uh, was it last year, just won a, won a lawsuit against Reebok because Reebok was uh, fudging the numbers and skimming some extra, some extra money that was supposed to be going to CrossFit.
2: Oh, yeah, boy. CrossFit stuff they were selling in their store, like they were categorizing as something else, so they weren't. Paying them as much money for that, those items as they should or yeah, something it, okay. like that. Yeah, and I just didn't
0: know that. Back but story. It was a
2: lawsuit. Like, like I think it, it was last year when it happened. And so after that, they're were like, we're not renewing Reebok. And yeah. I'm sure that's why they didn't increase the prize money this year because Reebok's like, we're out after next year. We're not going up on prize money this year. So
0: that makes sense. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And um, you know, and,
1: and, and you know they, they say you know we're not you know we're not going to have a title sponsor and <laughs> the uh they, they they CrossFit said a lot of things. That ended up happening anyway. Like they said <laughs> that there wasn't that they weren't even going to. If you wanted to watch the games this year, that you were going to have to go to Madison. That was going to be the uh, going to be the original deal. And I mean, I just the sport the sport is so big, man, it, yeah. and it it can't just go away. Not in this day and age. There's too much money to be made off of it. And I think something is something is going to happen. Somebody's going to you know go back on their word or something like that. I just I feel like everything's going to be fine.
2: Yeah, I mean, look at you know they let the media team go and they all started their own thing and the Talking Leak podcast has blown up. They're, they're, they they got a ton of uh, supporters on Patreon and uh, yeah. sponsors and everything. And then you got the Buttery Bros. They got like those guys, fifty, hundred thousand subscribers on their YouTube channel, and um, they're going to do another documentary for the games. And so. There's still a ton of demand for this content and for watching the CrossFit Games and and keeping up with the sport. And, you know, the CrossFit Games athletes, I mean, they have you know, the top ones have over a million followers on Instagram. And so that's a lot of money um, that that they can make just from doing sponsorships. And so it's not going anywhere. I mean, it's too big at this point. These people are too well known. I mean, I saw Katrin's going to be on ESPN, the magazine, the body issue um so it, it's it's mainstream at this point it's just a mainstream sport and it's going to continue to grow whether
0: crossfit grows it or they change it to um the fittest on earth and somebody else grows it yeah yeah I, you know the thing that's got it got it on my mind is looking at our kids classes and seeing these kids just see see stuff as normal like mm-hmm. jumping on this 20 inch box is like a normal thing and learning how to do this in the ranges i'm like man what's this sport going to be like mm-hmm. for these kids that aren't we see it as like, whoa, this is a new thing that we got involved with here. They're, they're never even going to know that. Mm-hmm. They're like, man, I've been doing this since I was six years old. I remember trying, just like people talk about gymnastics, they're going to be talking about CrossFit. Yeah. What's going to be the stage that they're going to be playing on. It's got me really curious. And I, it feels like it is the CrossFit as the, as a sport has, it is where it is with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But the competition side of it is like, man, it is, it's struggling to try to figure out what's going to be next And usually that results in something really, really cool because you have this open market for innovation and people move in and things happen. I just, I'm hopeful that uh, that's actually going to be the case for these young kids that are involved in the sport right now. Well,
2: I think the sanctional changes are really, really cool too because in the past, like, you qualify for regionals and in our region we were either going to San Antonio or Dallas or Salt Lake City, and that's where you could go for your competition. Well, now you have the option to go pretty much anywhere in the world. And so... You know, Meredith went to Italy. We have we have another buddy uh, that lives in Hattiesburg. He went to China and got to compete there. And all you gotta do is do a qualifier online, and all of a sudden you get to go compete in China, or you can go compete in Dubai or South America or wherever. And it's a lot more accessible to people who want to travel and go compete and compete against a lot of different people than what you normally see um, in your in your own region. And and so yeah, it, uh, it kind of it actually uh,
1: really put um put our prediction kind of, when all this happened kind of threw it back in our face and so we said you know nothing's really going to change you know for the uh, for the elite but those fringe athletes were probably going to have to make a decision you know right. to step away from the sport and and it like you said end up becoming really more accessible for them to be able to go actually make make a little bit of money and have that uh, have that, re- that quote regionals type experience, experience. Yeah, yeah there are
2: a lot of people that have stepped back though I know Oh yeah for yeah, sure uh, there's a lot that I used to compete with who are not competing anymore once they made the changes and you know a lot of people that were have been doing it for a really long time and they're like you know I don't really want to put this effort into qualifying for this thing but it also opens the door for new people to come up and I mean the water are qualifiers going on and you can look at the top of that leaderboard and there's a bunch of people you never even heard of you know obviously they're super fit and so they've been working really hard and it's just a new wave of people coming in every year and that's just how it's going to be but you know like this time last year nobody heard of Danny Spiegel. And, you know, now she's yeah. like one of the most famous CrossFit athletes. So you know, there'll be somebody like that next year. Um, and and so it, that's just it's it's going to be like that every single
0: year. I got to admit, that's pretty cool
2: because, mm-hmm. you know,
0: the, the season that we went through for a while there, it was just all the same people. Mm-hmm. And the question was, can they still do it? You know, yeah. Yeah. and now we have a very different dialogue we can participate in now. And and, and things happen, you know, the, the field getting larger, I'll take, I was listening to an interview with, uh, Kalipa a couple of days ago, and uh, he was talking about his journey and obviously had a lot of family stuff go on. But he was like, man, you know, with my CrossFit career, you know what happened? Life, life happened. Yeah. You know? And that's a case for a lot of people. I mean, it's, it's unique to have people like Froning and Fraser. like they're just in the, the stotters, they're there forever. Yeah. Life happens to people. You look at other pro sports, like things happen and, and people are like, yeah, I just, I can't compete at this level mm-hmm. anymore. And now there's not going to be some huge yeah. gap there when that happens. It's,
1: yeah. It's a chance to, it's a chance to, to, um, you know, to, to bring in a lot more parity into the sport. Whereas, you know, like well, we grow up watching a lot of, a lot of baseball and football and you see these guys have these 10, 15, 20 year careers, you know, and now it's like, yeah, you have like a four or five year window to really make a name for yourself and really kind of get yourself into the end uh, the upper echelon. But then you're either going to you're going to age out or, you know, like life is going to happen and then yeah. you can't do it anymore.
2: I think, you know, the CrossFit, the, I mean, uh, football, NFL, the average career is what, like three years or something like that. I think you'll end up seeing CrossFit as something like some a similar lifespan. Now you obviously see. You know, the Frasers and the Catrins, you know, who are going five-plus years competing at a high level. I think uh, uh, Alessandra Pacelli's like 10 times, you know, games and all that type of stuff. But I think as it gets more and more competitive, you'll start seeing a shorter window for people can really be at that elite level. Um, and it just it takes a big toll on you to be able to train. But I think one of the benefits of this system is if you are very good, you can really um, peak twice a year and peak for your – Uh, competition get your qual or peak for the open get your qualifier spot for the games and then really take a big long off season and then ramp it back up for um, the games and so I think if you are at that level like Matt Frazier it it probably promotes more longevity because the season's a lot shorter for him like he he can qualify for through the open in October and then he can chill for almost a whole year until the games and so That way he's not having to stay in elite, you know, peak physical condition like in the past unless they want to go do another competition. So I think for the top-level people, maybe it extends their career. But for the people who are having to go to three, four, five sanctionals every year to try to get their spot, after a couple years of that, they're going to be wrecked. keep that up? Yeah, that's
0: right. I think it also, you know, I don't exactly know how to put words to it, but there was this middle ground of athlete. It was like, well, I might, if I do well here, I might this or I might that. That's all kind of getting cleared up now. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, e- even with the sanctional thing, like, you're either at that level and, and or have potential to be at that level, and you got to dial in your discipline and figure out that's what you want to do with your life, or you're not. Yep. You know, you're not like, oh, I just had a great open. Look what happened. Yeah. That, I just that, That's not going to happen. It's much professional much.
2: sport now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just like, you, know, profe- you wouldn't say, Oh, I, I think I got a chance to make it to the Tour de France this year. You know, I've been having I've been putting up bike? really good yeah. good numbers on my bike. No, like <laughs> if you're gonna try to make it to the Tour de France, you're gonna be a professional. Same thing with CrossFit games. If you're gonna try to make it for the CrossFit games, uh, you're gonna be a professional, and you're gonna devote to it. And now there's other competitions, you know. We go to the Pensacola Beach Brawl every year, we have a great time, everybody goes down and competes, but that's gonna be that kind of weekend warrior type mentality mm-hmm. that other sports have where you're competing, but you're not doing the same thing as somebody that you see on TV.
0: Speaking for as two guys who have uh, opened and grown an affiliate, do you think this, th- you know, this helps an affiliate, not only an athlete, but an affiliate decide what type of place it's going to be? Like we're going to be this, uh, you know, incubator for games level athletes. That's what we're going to, has that already been going on or does it clear up some of that confusion for those middle of the road affiliates? Well, I think. Um one thing that
1: we've uh, that, that we have figured out over the uh, over the years, like if we want, you know, our our, go- our goal, bottom line is to is to impact is to impact everybody that comes into our door in a positive manner. So that means, you know, not uh, not being biased towards one group of people or the other. So I think it's um, it's more of those those brands those coaching brands like your uh Invictus Competition Comp, Comp Train training think tank those are the ones that I think is, that this is really going to impact where people are really going to seek out experts and uh the uh the people that are having the most success with the most athletes
2: yeah the the average affiliate is not creating um you know trying to develop a whole lot of regional athletes anymore and you know, I'm, I'm a member of the CrossFit Affiliate Owners Group on Facebook, and there's always a discussion about this all the time. And, I mean, everybody's just going back to what CrossFit was originally for is health health and fitness, you know, and wellness and improving people's quality of life, and that's the focus. And, you, can't, you know, not focusing on competition. Now, sure, if, if somebody wants to compete, we're going to help you compete to the highest of your ability, and we'll give, give you every tool that we can. But, you know, our goal is not just to help people compete. Our goal is to help... Uh, Improve everybody's quality of life and you know we we have people in different you know that have gone through competition phases at our gym and now they're more in a uh, fitness and lifestyle phase at their at their at their in their life and maybe they get back to where they want to compete some more and we can help but we want to offer the the different tracks so that everybody um, has a way to go up and down you know maybe they get to catch the bug and they want to get ready for a competition in six months and then they want to back it down and and, um and just train for a life for a while you know and that we, we give them those avenues and the the gyms that are going to be the most successful
0: and around the longest are the ones that are going to be um, able to do that yeah I would I would agree with you on that side so as far as like where we're headed from here I don't know that we want to do any predictions but maybe we should talk about it this way what's the next thing at the games level that you guys are excited to see excited to to see how it plays out I'm really pumped up to see uh,
1: how this cut system is going to evolve. I really hope that it doesn't go anywhere. I hope they just improve upon it because, I mean, not so much in the women's side, but in the men's side, it made for a really, really awesome race the last, uh, the last two days. And, um, The first thing that kind of jumped out at me with that was like it it makes it now when you get when you get to the games knowing that there are cuts, you had guys uh, you had a bunch of guys that would always try to ensure their spot in the top 10 by just making sure that they didn't tank any workouts. They really didn't go in with the mindset of I'm going to find I'm going to find Frazier or I'm going to find the top three guys and I'm going to stay with them as long as I can or have or have the Frazier mindset that I'm going to go win every single workout and uh, so you can't do that anymore. I mean, guys like, like Vellner and Baikowski um, found that out the hard way. You know, they, they tried to do it the same way they've always done, save themselves for the last couple of
2: days, and they put themselves on that cut line that came back to bite them. Mm. I agree. I thought the cuts were extremely exciting this year. And, and you're, you're right, Chris. Like, every, every person had to put it out for every workout because it was like, who's going to get cut? What's, what's the spains look like every single day? But then when they cut it down to 10, it was like, the suspense kind of left and it was just kind of like all right there's only 10 people left for six workouts however many it was and so i think they're they're adjusting it next year they're not cutting until after three workouts and hopefully they don't cut down to 10 until the last day or something like that and get a few more events in there i like having the 10 um at the end but i think they did it a little too soon too soon yeah. and um but the, the man the cut made it a lot more exciting the first few days it really did but maybe it was it wasn't exciting because matt and t were so far ahead it was just like we already know who's going to win um but i i would like to see them wait a little bit longer to cut down and especially like when people are missing the cut because they stepped on the line on a sprint like that was that was kind of hard to hard tough pill to swallow when they were obviously fitter than the other people when they got a 10 second penalty for stepping on the line yeah
1: it it, they absolutely didn't they it wasn't perfect this time around is the first time they did it but you could definitely see the uh, the potential to make oh, yeah. the sport just that much more exciting i agree yeah.
2: i think the cuts are a great thing and um i'm excited i think they'll get it figured out and i think this year will be a lot better and mm-hmm. um it's just gonna it, it just makes everybody put out like chris said you can't just show up and just kind of collect your collect your uh your your, your, your shirt. top 15 yeah, finishes yeah. And, and and go home feeling good about yourself. Like. You got to show up every single workout, or you're not. You're going to be watching the last two days.
0: Yeah, the same interview I was referencing with uh, Froning and Kalipa, they were saying the opposite of that very thing. Like we just figured out over time, you know, it's not the games aren't just about one workout. You have it you finish in, in below the top the, 10. The, cu- the cuts make it about every workout <laughs> now. About and look, that matches how many times speaking of the Olympics, how many times we watch the Olympics? Let's take the four by one hundred, like the best team out there dropped the baton. Yeah. They did win. The semi, yeah.
2: and, and they did it in the semifinals. They didn't even make the finals, you know. That I mean that happens. You yeah. know, you got to qualify for
1: that yeah, final. Man, race.
0: That, that's just, that's just sport, man. And yeah, yeah. So stepping on the line is like that's the kind of thing that compromises I th- a I year think, worth of training. I
1: think you saw a lot of uh, a lot of old hats that yeah. have been to the games a bunch really got humbled and you could re you could really tell it in their uh in those interviews yep. i mean you know, how how long are you gonna or how long are you gonna be the worst distance runner the worst long event
2: person mm-hmm.
0: before you start working on it yeah if the system doesn't punish you for it yeah another exactly.
2: thing i'm excited about is the cut next year they're doing three workouts and they're doing it every second count style Ooh. so like the uh the games 2008 it was like you did a bunch of different workouts, and your, your score was your total time of all the workouts. Whoa. And so the last workout, whoever was in first started first, and they waited. Each person started however many seconds behind they were. And so it made whoever finished the last workout first won, so it made it really exciting. Yeah. And they're going to do that with the first three events. At the games, they're going to do three workouts, and your score is your total time of the three
0: workouts. And that'll be then they'll cut after that. So that's going to be really cool. Mm. Well... They've got their thinking cap on, that's for sure. Yep. They confused us for a minute, but now we're behind the effort. So it's eating crow, which I'm sure a lot of people are who are griping publicly about the changes. So anyway, so excited to see where it's, uh, it's going to go. I can definitely tell you I've uh, made the decision that I won't be pursuing uh, a spot at the games. It was a tough call, oh, but no. I've made it. Yeah, just said, you know, life. I'm with Elite. Yeah, lot yeah, yeah, li- like <laughs> you know, that way, All right, so we transition to one of our uh, most exciting parts of the episode.
3: Outside the box.
0: Giving you a run for your money there.
3: That was pretty good. That was good.
0: Yeah, yeah, I stayed in there. You must have been choir too, man. Yeah, well, I've I've been practicing. Yeah, in my car right before I walk in to work out. (laughs) That's how I get warm there. So we're going to talk about some college football, which how could we not talk about college football? It's finally back. My gosh, speaking of off seasons, it feels like when college football is over... It's my favorite and, and least favorite time of the year, oh, all at man. the same time. Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're up on college football. So we're going to talk about who's going to be in the playoffs. We're also going to talk a little bit about favorite all-time player and then best team of all time. Good grief, yeah. what a question. So we're going to have to make sure that we stay, uh, stay in our lane here on this one. So you guys are way more informed about the the status of teams, so I think I'm going to sit this question out just to learn a little bit from the two of you. So we've got the playoff system. That's old news inside of uh, – oh, wait, Chase is here. Hey, yeah. Hey, yeah. welcome back, Chase. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so Chase will be involved in this too. So we've got uh, the playoff system in college football, old news. So what's going to be happening at the end of this season? Who we are going to see in the playoffs in the collegiate level? Chase, we'll let you have the floor. Oh, you
3: want me to go first?
0: Oh, so well, why uh, yeah, why not? Uh-oh. <laughs> All right. I really uh, think Indianapolis... No, no, college. We're talking college.
3: Oh. Okay. So not the <laughs> Bengals. Right. Uh, all right, sweet. Uh, I'm just going to go uh, first seed to fourth seed, uh, mainly because to build up the hype, because you guys aren't going to see this coming. Mm. Number one, coming in into the number one seed, we got Clemson. Everyone sees it coming. Sure. Dabo Sweeney, unreal. Number two, just because the conference sucks... Ohio State's going to make it in purely because Michigan's going to implode, and Mm. Michigan State already did that for them. Uh, Number three, (laughs) Georgia. Georgia. Is going to make it in. What?
1: Uh, Two SEC teams in, huh?
3: Georgia (laughs) is going to make it in because Alabama is going to lose to Auburn the very last week. Yeah. All right. Oh, my gosh. Albert, are you
0: even serious? I'm
3: very serious. Yeah, yeah. You've, you've turned in your uh, expert credentials, please. Oh, my gosh. It ha- something has to happen this year to really shake it up. What luckily, is it luckily people- I have two things that are shaking it up. Because <laughs> coming in at the four seed, it's Iowa freaking State. Wow. What? Iowa State. Yeah, Iowa State. Yeah. The Cyclones? Yeah. Preseason ranked 21.
2: Yes. Yes. <laughs>
3: I see them. Go <laughs> they are going to go undefeated. They are going to go undefeated in the Big 12, which is going to give them the leg up over the Pac 12, who's going to have a one loss champion. And we all know how the playoff committee is. They really like seeing that undefeated title card there, unless you're UCF, because, you know, and I'm picking the champion, right? Mm-hmm. Is that what I'm doing? Uh, Iowa State is going to get smacked by Clemson first round. Uh, Georgia is going to beat Ohio State, and then Georgia is going to take it all this year after decades of trying, they're going to make it. Those are some big promises. Thank you yeah. very right. much. If you
0: end up being right, it will be a miracle. There's 0% chance of that.
3: <laughs> Someone's got to keep it exciting. There I should have gone
0: zero first. Chance. <laughs> 0% chance. All hey, right, you no, could,
3: thanks. Got a chance here. Yeah, uh, Georgia I, Southern. Uh,
0: I really <laughs> think Mississippi State's going to pull it together. And, <laughs> You Matt Maka Luke and those guys are gonna get it figured out. All right, Maka, so
3: Iowa State now, but you'll see.
0: Right, all right, Chris, could you bring some intelligence to this conversation, please? <laughs> well, uh, I think the my,
1: my number one seed is uh, is Clemson, just because they're they're starting off number one. There's really nobody in the ACC that's gonna stand in their way. I mean, all they got if they can just avoid avoid a screw up, then they're gonna they're gonna walk right into the playoff, no problem. Uh, Bama will be the two seed georgia's not going to uh not going to make it they've uh they've got a lot uh, still a very very talented team but they a lot of transition as far as losing uh losing some starters especially on defense um oklahoma's gonna slide in there to that uh, it's that third spot kind of they're in the same situation with uh with clemson yeah Yeah, there's just nobody to stand in their way including iowa state (laughs) 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 and then um and then uh i mean i'll I think, I think this is going to finally be the year that Michigan does get in there. I just – I don't trust. Uh, I think uh, Ryan Day is the, the head coach at, uh, at Ohio State. And just – I don't know. I just don't see him. I just don't see him getting the, uh, getting the job done, especially losing, uh, losing a quarterback like Dwayne Haskins. I think this will be the year that Michigan gets in there. Uh, Clemson, Clemson rolls Michigan. Uh, and I'm calling the upset, Oklahoma over Alabama. Uh, Jalen Hurts, uh, Jalen Hurts goes off, gets them in there. Clemson wins another national championship. We <laughs> gotta watch
3: Oklahoma and
2: Clemson.
1: <laughs> mm. Yeah, mm.
2: It'd be about the cheese dip then. Yeah. Yeah. When I, uh, in my turn. Yeah. yeah, your turn. You when, go. When I, when I'm looking at college football, I mean, to me, it's all about the quarterback. If you got a good quarterback, you can win because a good quarterback. So many teams don't have a good quarterback in college football. So a good quarterback makes all the difference and then if you have a great quarterback i just feel i just feel like clemson and alabama are just head over heels better than everybody else this year i think they got the two best players in the country on their teams so i think they're both going to run away with it. i just looked at Clemson's schedule they got two ranked teams on their schedule the whole year i mean it's just yeah. what a cakewalk for them um i don't i don't i don't think alabama will lose a game you know i watched a lot of alabama games last year because my fiance claire is a big alabama fan and i thought they were the best college football team I'd ever seen and then they lost mm. so they had a ton of talent on that team last year and I, I I'm you know they're gonna have a ton of talent on the team this year so uh, Clemson and Alabama my number two number one number two I think Georgia um, is going to be up there I, I think they play let's see they got Notre Dame at home which Notre Dame's typically overrated so I don't, I don't I don't see them losing that game they got Florida which Florida looked awful in their first game maybe they'll get it together but I I just don't see that see them and then they got Auburn and Texas A&M so I, Georgia maybe loses one game in the regular season plays Alabama in the SEC championship then they both make it to the playoff and then uh, my fourth team's Michigan I agree with Chris I think this is their year to finally get over the, the hump they got Shea Patterson back um, like I said big quarterback um, you know Shea was a huge pro, uh, uh, recruit when he went to Ole Miss I st- he's still a great player they got a lot of talent at Michigan uh, uh Harbo, Harbo, Harbaugh, whatever. He, whatever. Uh, he he's he's won before uh, in college football. I think I think this is year. And I agree with you about Ohio State. I'm not sold on them this year. I think this is going to be a big letdown year for them. Um, then uh, I mean I, I just don't see any other, any other way that Alabama and Clemson don't play again in the national championship. And I think Alabama wins this year. So um, just because I think uh, it's going to be they're going to be flip flopping a while for yeah. a while.
0: You know, I'd be interested to hear your perspective. I, I didn't follow, I don't follow Alabama, Alabama football a lot, but there seemed to be a difference. Saban seemed to be more frustrated and confused and hands up in the air last season. like. They're not working my formula, you know, in that
2: championship game, they they look they look like they weren't prepared. They yeah. really did. It was strange because all season they seemed so like everything was together. and then mm-hmm. well, I don't all know their,
1: all their coordinators were on their way out the door.
2: yeah, they 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 looked really out of sync. They played awful that game. Yeah. they really did. Like just having watched them play, like they were making lots of mistakes. It just it it was not a typical Alabama looking game like sharp. everything's run well. And so, mm. Um, I don't expect that to happen again. And, and it seemed like Dabo had, you know, he knew their game plan almost and he knew what they were going to do and he had them all figured out. So um, I, th- I don't I don't see that happening two years in a row.
0: Yeah, I think that's what I'm saying. You know, with a guy like Saban, who is as good at what he does as he is, those things don't happen twice, you know. Uh-huh. So, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I think Alabama is like as not exciting as it is these days to watch Alabama win, you know, Um <laughs> Still, I think that's where we're headed. All right, got to move ahead here. Talk about favorite all-time player, favorite all-time collegiate athlete. Oof. Am I going first to, again? Yeah, yeah it's going to be somebody from, like, I don't know, Louisiana Tech. I'm sure I can just feel it coming.
3: La Tech Bulldogs coming in hot. <laughs> uh, no. uh, my, my favorite player of all time is mainly because it's a player that I related to a good bit, and it was Jordan Shipley out of Texas. Dude was uh small compared to awesome. everybody else, but freaking fast and could catch. Good pick, gracious. And you can
0: relate to that being really fast and yes, can and thank can you. Catch. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's like you're basically the same guy. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> he just had a different path in life. Just than
3: to, you, you weren't just short. <laughs> and I would have been retiring and t- a little early. Did, yeah. li- did life get in the way? Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know life, kids, <laughs> stuff like that. It always catches up to you. Exactly. Uh, but dude, dude was good at every position they put him at. Not meaning like quarterback, but like he was a great receiver, like really stand out. But also he killed the special teams game. Mm-hmm. Dude was consistently running back punts and kickoffs for, uh, for touchdowns, even in uh, national championships and stuff like that or bowl games, whatever they are. Dude was always stepping up to the plate and really, really showed out during his time at Texas. Loved watching him play.
1: Yeah, the, the only the only reason he's still not in the NFL is because the Patriots never picked him up. Yep, could have <laughs> been the perfect fit. Yep. But uh, my uh, my favorite player was uh, a guy that I, I remember watching him uh, every time uh, every time this team played I was turning the TV on because I wanted to see this guy just go off. It was uh, Willis McGahee when he played for uh, played for Miami, and yeah, you know, he didn't. Uh, uh, I don't think he won a Heisman Trophy or anything like that. But dude, that guy was just insane. I realized that, you know, he played on an incredible team, but some of the cuts and the way that he would make people miss in the open field, he was so exciting to watch he was like that that barry sanders type every time he got the ball you just kind of sat on the edge of your seat waiting for something uh something awesome to happen so i was not a miami fan or anything like that but if they were playing i was watching him
2: this is tough for me i don't know if i've ever been like a big one player fan of in uh, a college football i was more you know into nfl type players and just cheering for teams in college um some of my favorite ones to watch um you know Vince Young, Reggie Bush, those guys were great. Bo Jackson, he was a little bit before my time, but I love watching his stuff. I really liked watching Cam Newton when he was playing. Man, he was just so big and so fast, that's and just thing. so much better than everybody else. So I, you know, if I just watching, I, I really enjoy watching Cam. And uh, I still remember that game. I was watching that game at when I was working at my grandmother's store uh, when they came back and beat Alabama when they were so far down. And that, That's very memorable game to me because. Um, it was like man, it's, it's crazy. I bet you know, most uh, most college football fans will tell you exactly where they were when yeah. they were watching that. That was game. unbelievable because it was yeah. like they were just rolling over everybody all year, and they were, then all of a sudden Alabama just comes out and gets way ahead, and you're like, they're going to lose, and they're not going to go to the national championship. Yeah. And then he, he brings them back. I mean, that was just that was incredible. One of the best games ever in college football. So I'd probably say Cam Newton. It's a good pick.
0: Yes, yeah, so I've been like I'm the old gal on the podcast, which is showing up more and more lately. Uh, but I'm I'm handling Mer- Merlin it. Merlin Olson. Yeah, I'm am de- dealing with it. Yeah, yeah. Joe Namath. No, um, <laughs> I was actually <laughs> Newt Rockney. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, Terry Bradshaw came to mind, but um, I was actually going to say it? it's on the trophy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's got his own trophy now. <laughs> Dude, the husband motion. That was funny. I was actually going to say Bo Jackson because um, just the age I was watch, watching Bo Jackson. And then, did you have the Bo Jackson shoes? No, but I was going to mention that you know, like the, Bo Jackson. the cross
1: trainers. Yeah, you got <laughs>
0: Bo Jackson and Agassi and Jordan, and it's mm-hmm. like just a new thing where these guys are getting sponsored and they have their own shoes designed, but. Um, I'd kind of honestly though I'd kind of forgotten about all that and then I watched uh, it was a 30 for 30 on Bo yep. Jackson mm-hmm. and I'm like man and they were showing all these things that he did I'm like I remember watching that that was yeah. crazy he, like runs up the side of a wall because this is later on in his career but mm-hmm. um, and it's just the perfect story for me like uh, what could have been what could have been for this guy had that injury not happened and how crazy is it that that injury took I mean so anyway, it was, uh, there's kind of a little bit of mystery there, which makes it even more interesting to look back on. So, But uh, Bo Jackson was one of those guys that just showed up, and you're like, okay, the hand of God has touched this man for him to be able to do what he's able to do uh, athletically. And when you look into his backstory, it's not like he had all this stuff that helped him become who he was. He just was a guy that was out there and could play was a sport, and was really good yep. at it. Yeah, he was just blessed by him. And I can kind of respect that. Not not that I'm against people who are get involved with these machines and are able to train and do all this stuff, but there does seem to be that seems to be disappearing. Where a guy just like, oh, I picked up a baseball, I'm good at this. Let's make well, this happen. Yeah, yeah. and and, guy, and guys
1: like Bo, like Bo and Herschel, even though they played you know, 30 years ago, they could they, they could play today and oh, still yeah. and still still lead the nation in rushing. Yeah. So
0: yeah, I. It, not today, but you take them. Right, in yeah. That me. Like if they were that age now, <laughs> yeah. I got you. I'm I don't know.
3: 50, 50 year old Bo Jackson. probably got <laughs> some frustration.
1: Herschel, yep. have you seen Herschel lately? No, oh, man, he's jacked. <laughs> he is
2: ripped. Really? Oh yeah. yeah. I would have liked to see Barry Sanders uh, yes. play running back. uh yes. Now, man, mm-hmm. that dude was incredible.
3: God, that like, dude fit the bill for like the modern running back still. And so now, quick, yeah. so fun. Decades. He would make so, people look so stupid. man. Yes, man.
0: Like, how did he even? How did he change direction like that? Not possible. I think it was the cleats. <laughs> yeah. Changed out his spikes. <laughs> the, the cleats yeah. certainly helped. <laughs> he was wearing Bo Jackson's cross trainers. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So, this one uh, may be less controversial, but the best college team of all time. <laughs> Mine might be controversial. Best college 2001 Iowa Miami State. Hurricanes. Wait a minute. This isn't in your heart.
3: This is like statistically <laughs> yeah. the best college team. I don't know how you pick anyone but the 2001 Miami yeah. Hurricanes. Like, I'm was, that, gonna, was that
1: yours also? Mine, yeah, I'm mine about, too. I'm about, <laughs> to off, I'm about to
3: rattle off some players for you. Just keep in mind uh, NFL uh, pedigree. Uh, Ken Dorsey didn't really do anything in the NFL, but Clinton Portis, Willis McGahee, and Najee Davenport split. Oh, and Frank Gore split time as running backs during this season. Yep. I, it's a miracle that other teams showed up to the games. Uh, you had Jeremy Shockey <laughs> tied in. You had Andre Johnson, one of the greatest of all time. You had offensive tackle. Uh, Santana Brian- Moss
1: was that, was also a receiver on that team, too. Oh, that's true. Played in the NFL for a long time. Yeah, he
3: did. Uh, the lesser-known Moss, but still carried some teams mm-hmm. sometimes. You had uh, Will Fork heck was that uh you had (laughs) Vince Wilfork you had uh, Jonathan Vilma you had Ed freaking Reed it's a miracle that teams were even getting passes off with him uh in the secondary I just I don't know how you pick anyone but the 2001 Miami Hurricanes literally dominated teams for a few games that uh that season they outscored opponents by over 400 points That season, which is nuts, and they had closer gains with unranked teams as compared to ranked teams, which means they were sleeping half the time. Yeah, could have been a mess. What did you go to the library? How? What is all this? All these stats? I didn't research anything else but this question. I came prepared. (laughs) That's crazy. I I guess I'm I'm literally
0: reading off the Wikipedia page. Yeah, (laughs) I misunderstood the uh, the question. I thought we were talking about you know. Dynasties of collegiate teams. Like well, you can a, say that too. No, yeah. well, I mean, I thought it was, we were going to get, get we'll involved and you. like, you know, you have these teams that kind of jump on top and they stay there for a while. I mean, there was a couple of years a long time ago where it was like, man, who's going to beat Nebraska? You know, and then you, you move into obviously Alabama, those sorts of teams. And, um, Army was, was pretty good for a while. So yeah. Army. It, had, yeah. Yeah. Like the Miami and then you had USC for right, a few years right. and then Ohio State.
2: And, um, the, the the only the only team that I think you could maybe put up
1: there with that Miami team would have been I think the the 2004 USC team.
2: Yeah, that was a good team. Yeah, it was. I, as far as like NFL like talent, I don't know if there's ever been a team that compares to that stacked. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think maybe 10, 15 years we can look back at some of these Alabama teams and see what they've put out in the NFL because I mean the they put an un. In, They've broken the record for most first-round draft picks like two different times. I feel like mm. for, coming from there, so they got a lot of talent. Yeah. Um, that team LSU one year they had a team when they had uh, Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham, and, and they went eight and four. Yeah. And, <laughs> uh, and who, their running back was uh, they had a couple NFL running backs on that team, just uh, all kinds of NFL talent. But they just weren't that good of a team. They just had a ton of good talent. Yeah.
1: It was a, it was the guy, the guy who played for the Bengals. Um, I'm trying to remember his Something
0: name. Something about living in Baton Rouge, I think, paint does Nils. that for you. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> <the paint hills. laughs> Yeah, it's, I'm, I was with you, Hunter. Like, some of, these, some of these questions, we're so used to looking at college sports team-based, yeah. you know, which is cool. I, I hope we don't lose that. But, yeah, I was thinking, man, I don't know. You, it, it would be hard to – there are definitely different seasons. Like, this this college is on top for a couple of years. This college is on top. But I think – I mean, who could argue Alabama? is just like, oh, my gosh. They're like the Patriots of college. They like, are. When are they ever going to go away? And then it seems like there's just such a mystique around there now, like even when Saban does hang it up, which who knows when that's going to happen, somebody like that's He's the sa- Tom Brady of coaches. <laughs> He's the Tom I'm Brady. I'm eternal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's because he doesn't have to walk to the end of his office and close the door. That's going to extend his career by about six or seven years, right, yeah. with the button. So yeah, I I gotta go back and look up this Miami team and, and watch some stuff on it. That was that was during a time in <laughs> my life we were having kids and stuff, and I wasn't paying attention to anything really. So they
2: had a thirty for thirty on them on ESPN. If you go watch it, it was really good. The Man, U- I love those yeah.
0: thirty. The, the, the thirty for thirties are awesome. The, yeah,
1: they are. The, the U and the U part two were a couple of my favorite thirty for thirties.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right, so we got a we're running out of time here. We're gonna talk about some recommends. We got some recommends for our listeners. Yeah. You the you and yeah. The U and the U part two. 30 for 30. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to recommend 30 for 30 Bo Jackson. That's, a, you know, actually, it is pretty good, but I think I've recommended it before. They talk about I'm jumping over a car. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. The Bo Jackson one. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah Kobe I've seen did it several that several times. That is awesome. Kobe did it already. <laughs> I think you just broke a barrier. My bad. Yeah. So uh, yeah, the thirty for thirties—you could almost pick any of them. But if you want to just—if you're like, I'm gonna give this a shot, start with Bo Jackson. It was yeah. awesome.
2: Bo Jack, yeah, it really—that was one of the best ones. Or they got so they got a wide variety of stuff. So just pick pick whatever interests you. Yeah, I'm um, interested sure well to hear done. what
0: you're reading right now, um, or so what you would recommend from the first part of your year.
2: I've been reading. Uh, some Neil Gaiman. I don't know if you guys have heard of him. He's a fiction author. Uh, he he has a wide variety of books. He had a graveyard. Th- it's called The Graveyard Book. It was actually a kid's book, but it was really good. I enjoyed that. And then I'm reading his book <laughs> called... Uh, I wish our
0: <laughs> listeners could see the look on Chris's face. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's, t-
2: it's not a typical kid's book. If you read it, you know, understand what I'm saying. I'm reading his book, American Gods, right now, which they made into a TV show. Um, it's pretty interesting. And then um, he's got a bunch of different stuff, but Tim Ferriss said he was his favorite author, so that's why I checked him out. And I I like his his stuff it's really good um let's see what else that's it's good that I've read lately. I already talked about the game changers in culture code I think yep. those are two of the good ones I read yeah I read a Seth Godin book this is marketing that's really really good um and um I read war by Robert Green I've talked about him before um you know just i've I've kind of gotten into where if I find a a good author i I really want to get into their Stick stuff so yeah've yeah, I've read a lot of Robert Green this year a lot of uh Neil Gaiman this year, and then I'm really, really excited about Ryan Holiday's new book that's coming out uh, next month. It's the third of his series, uh, Ego is the Enemy, and um, Obstacles the Way were the first two, and this one is called, I can't remember what it's called. Man, that guy's going to be writing books at this rate for the rest of his life. I mean, I don't even think he's 30 yet. That's crazy crazy um i'll tell you i'll tell you what the book's called hold on one second i'll tell you hey and
0: probably by the next time we record uh one of these and release it you're gonna highly recommend marriage right yeah maybe so that's crazy date (laughs) october 12th october we'll just miss
3: it uh the 50th will release the 50th episode of the podcast will release right before he gets married oh wow
1: what
0: (laughs) amazing amazing got any recommends chris the U and the U part two. <laughs> <laughs> he oh, already I said man. He already said it, him, like, man. <laughs> said <laughs> it, man. Yes.
2: Ryan, Ryan Holiday's third book is called Stillness is the Key, October 1st.
0: Stillness, Stillness. is the Key. It's like very Yoda title. Hey, he
3: should it's the secret. Stillness is the secret. Stillness is Just for is something is the cool. Secret. Yeah. Culture code, you yeah. know. Yeah. It just stick with it. You missed it. Still yeah, is make, the a, key. make a pattern. What What's are we opening the second, a second? What write culture code.
2: Somebody else wrote culture code. Oh shoot! Yeah. <laughs> he
3: wrote obstacles the way, and you can't sell uh, books without enemy. alliteration. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Seuss told us that you got rhyming or alliteration <laughs> or both. And then, yeah,
0: yeah, and then a pseudonym. But there you go with that. All right, so that wraps another uh, exciting episode of the podcast. As always, we're going to say, reach out, recommend this, and if you will. Jump
3: on there and rate the podcast. Check us out on LinkedIn, Tumblr. We got Flickr. <laughs> uh, MySpace is making a comeback. You better
2: put all that stuff up then, Chase. Go <laughs> yeah, right, make
3: all these accounts real yeah, quick. Yeah, make those accounts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: All right, so... We're uh, on Tinder, too. Give us a little <laughs> swipe
3: right. <laughs> <laughs> Kill it. <laughs> all right. <laughs>